hello and welcome to the PA system. This is the show for anyone who has struggled to live from a place of power, known they were meant for greater things, and wondered how they would ever get there. My name is Pamela Aubrey, and I'm talking with experts, leaders, and visionaries that have faced trauma and hardship head on and come out triumphant. So if you're trying to figure out what more you have to do to make it to the next level, this show is for you. the challenge of divorce and wondered how to best help your kids navigate it and maintain your own sanity? On this episode of the PA System, I'm talking with Tammy Bennett-Daughtry, founder of Co-Parenting International and America's Co-Parenting Strategist. She has helped thousands of families navigate the transitions of divorce and blending families and is here to share some tips with us tonight. So with that, Tammy, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. I love what you do and it's an honor to be a guest. So it's such a joy to have you here again. You've been with me a couple of different times. We've had such fabulous conversations that I really wanted to have you back. But let's just start with a quick overview. Why don't you share with everyone once again a little bit about your organization, Co-Parenting International, and then we'll kind of get into the nitty gritty of what people need to know. Sure. We launched uh, Co-Parenting International back in 2003 to help be a voice for children and to help mom and dads have a roadmap through a divorce, through a separation, and also into recoupling and co-parenting even when um, mom and dad get remarried. So we we tackle some interesting topics like um, how to handle handoffs, how to communicate, when not to communicate. Um, and we also help parents think about the long view. Um, how will your children look back on their childhood you know, 20 years from now? And what will they believe and remember about how much they were loved? And so we're here to cheer for moms, dads, and kids and just help them navigate a lot of these sticky topics that can be very painful. And we try to make them positive and give solutions that are very practical and any parent can do. So um, I'm excited to do this work. I'll be doing this till I die. I just love the work we do. And I'm based in Nashville, Tennessee, but we travel and speak all over the country. And I have a lot of families I work with through coaching. And so we've got parents all over the world that we uh, work with and walk alongside. So thanks for having me. I think it's so fabulous what you're doing and so needed, so important because, and I know we've talked about this before, but there's such limited resources for families. And a lot of times, you know, people don't plan to get divorced, right? And they're coming into it maybe in a state of shock or just feeling like I never saw myself being in this position and not really knowing what to do, where to start to get resources, how to get help and how to navigate it. Well, yes, I agree. And actually it was about 20 years ago, I was starting this journey myself. And so I um, have been a co-parent for 20 years of my daughter's 21 to 22 years. And it was a a difficult time. It was um, none of us, you know, grow up dreaming of, of getting married and then going through a divorce. But I, 
I did know that I wanted to do a good job of that. I wanted to to be mindful of, of finding support and and leaning on other adults and not leaning on my daughter, but leaning on adults for right. help and support. And then in the bigger picture, being able to really encourage her to love her dad, to enjoy time with him. And as her family has grown, we've uh, added step parents along the way. So if, if she was here, she would tell you she has four parents, um, six step siblings and a huge family that loves her. And so we just, um, you know, personally, when I was beginning the journey, I couldn't really find anything besides, you know, maybe a couple handouts or some really off topic books that had a very negative before I even opened the book. And so mm. I really felt there was a need to help parents um, not necessarily be friends, but to be respectful and to, to really understand what kids experience when mom and dad are apart. And so sure. um, anyway, so that's the the overview of what we do. And I'm, you know, be, being a co-parent is a lifelong experience. It, I always tell parents, you know, it doesn't end when your kids are 18. Um, we're right now planning a wedding for our sweet girl who's uh, engaged and getting married in December. And, and so we're hoping to do a great job as her parents, um, supporting her on her wedding day and all of the things sure. to come. So it is a lifelong journey and and we want to help people, um, you know, avoid some of the huge blind spots that they may not know they don't know. Sure. And they really help kids find their voice. So, um, so yeah, so we've created, that. we've got videos, well, we've got lots of different ways we, we kind of tackle these topics. Well, and one of the things you mentioned was helping people take the long view. And that's really what I want to focus on, I think, this evening, especially because when it comes to kids, there's so many things that seem to happen in the short term. And it seems like often people get caught up in the moment, caught up in the right now, and they lose sight of what is this going to mean in another three, five, ten years in the life of my child. So I'd like for you to just speak to that a little bit and how parents can get out of that trap of the, you know, what what seems like a crisis maybe, you know, in the now and and kind of step back from that and look at the bigger picture. Sure. Well, you know, one of the things that I um, am thankful to know is that research shows us that there's actually a what they call a two-year post-divorce adjustment timeline. And it's funny, when I found this in grad school, I had already been divorced about eight years. And, and it's this really helpful graph that, that kind of sets the hope to the fact mm -hmm. that, yes, the first year is going to be the hardest ever. It, you, your grief, your anger, your anxiety, so many things, honestly, will be very difficult year one. But the research shows us that as you adjust into year two, there are amazing things on the other side and that moms and dads can have a healthy adjustment to a divorce. They can even become a better version of themselves on the other mm -hmm. side. Of that. And so when I saw that, just as a mom, you know, before I put on any of the other hats, just as a mom, right. I was grateful. And I thought, man, I wish somebody would have shared this with me in the beginning that that there's yeah. hope on the other side, that right. the pain we're experiencing in the in the beginning, especially that first year that that pain will not hurt that same way for a lifetime. Mm. We don't forget what we've been through, but we can heal through it and we can become free of the hard stuff and we can celebrate the good stuff, which is our kids. And so I love research and I love when it can help us know that that there is hope on the other side. So I would say, you know, being very mindful that as an individual, if somebody's listening and they're just getting started, you know, they're in the first month, maybe they haven't even filed yet, but they know it's coming mm -hmm. and they're about to go down this journey. 
I would encourage parents to find what I call 3 a.m. friends and to find three of them. And those would be people that are healthy adults who maybe, maybe they've been through a divorce themselves and maybe not, but they're safe, healthy, stable people that we can lean on in the hard stuff and that we would actually ask them, hey, would you walk alongside me in this journey so that when the emotional landmines happen or I find myself really angry or I, I just don't know what to do, can I call you? Not necessarily to tell me what to do, but just to be a safe place to talk and to process. Sure. Because I think one of the biggest uh, blind spots that happens is a lot of times in that first couple months or that first year, parents are hurting and sometimes mm -hmm. they tell their kids way too much. And they even kind of lean on kids like their their companion or their confidant. And that's mm -hmm. that's really hard on kids. And so I would say, you know, women, we, we kind of like to do life in community. You know, having three great friends to talk to isn't a hard thing. I would say for any dads that are listening, I know that men are sometimes more, um, they kind of look at life a little more compartmentalized and they don't necessarily have to have a community of friends to do everything with like us ladies like. But I would encourage guys to find at least one person that is your go-to person that, that when you really, I mean, the wheels are falling off and you just don't see the other side of it, that you've got somebody in, in line that you can call to, you can talk to, you can be honest with. And that way, that kind of pain doesn't erupt when you're around your kids or they don't become the ones who are hearing it or trying to fix it for you. Right. So I would yeah. say, there's, you know, trying to find healthy people to lean on is a big part of making that that healthy adjustment. I think that's really a great point. And I think, you know, sometimes that can be a little challenging for people. But to keep in mind that even if it's not individuals that maybe you know personally, that there's also support groups. If you look sure. in you know, in your community, there's probably churches or, you know, outside organizations that offer some kind of divorce support groups. And that's a great way to connect with people that certainly are going to understand what you're going through. Oftentimes, you know, are experiencing a lot of the same things yeah. and just gives you a format to be able to talk about some of these things. And also, I think to some degree to realize, number one, you're not alone. Yes. And number two, that the emotions are part of it, but they're just emotions and, and not to necessarily get wrapped up in those, you know, in a, in a way that doesn't allow you to still be objective and still yeah. take some of these other important points into consideration. Well, and I agree, the emotion can really get, I mean, we can get flooded quickly when this right. is a new experience. Um, we can get triggered you know, by even just seeing a location we used to go to with our former partner, or right. we go to pick up a child at school and they come out. This happened to one of my clients the other day. They come out the first week of school and say, mommy, um, tomorrow's family day and I need a picture of our family, yeah. right? Moments right. like that, that we don't even see coming can be so sure. difficult. And yes. you're right. Finding support, whether it's with friends, with a support group. And I love one of the good things I think that's come from COVID is that we've all learned how to find community online, mm -hmm. um, whether it's for education or for support. And, yes. and there are so many great coaches out there who help people across state lines. And, you know, you don't have to be in the same room necessarily to still have a, an emotional connection and a, a good support system. So I do agree, you know, being, being careful to not isolate um, during what is probably going to be one of the hardest things you ever go through. And um, figuring out where where are those go to people so that I'm I'm not in this alone. And um, and I think 
you know, as we let's see, this is September, we're getting close to holidays. Mm -hmm. I know for a lot of families, those can be very triggering and trying to think ahead to um, make some meaningful plans for how you spend your alone time. And I can mm -hmm. remember the first couple of big times in that, in, you know, the Thanksgiving is a shorter window because usually there's school before and after, but usually right. a winter break has a couple weeks there where sometimes families right. will apart from their kids. And one of the things I tried to do early on for myself was to, to look at the calendar and think ahead to when am I going to be without my kiddo? Mm -hmm. And what can I do on purpose to serve other people, to uh, participate in something in my community, maybe to invite people over to my house, but how could I make a meaningful decision every day of an activity mm -hmm. or an environment to put myself in so that I wasn't at home just heaping pain upon pain yeah. during the hardest time of my life? Because holidays can be really difficult, right? Sharing children and, and what used to be the way we celebrate this has changed dramatically. And and so those first couple of years, I think it's really important to have a fun plan on how you spend your alone time. And that way, when your kids come back to you, you're still your best self. And, mm. and you've, you've made meaningful, um, healthy choices while they've been away. Um, and I think that can be, sometimes it's a blind spot we don't think about till we're standing on the front step waving goodbye and we come into an empty home and like, what am I gonna do this week? Yeah. And, you know, especially for people who are extroverts like I am, being alone is not a not a fun thing. Right. Um, you well, know, sorry, I was going to just say for my friends that are highly introverted, sometimes they like the first couple of days without kids because they get a lot of stuff. Right. But even those friends who who are trying to adjust to being alone without their children, that's a different level of alone. And so I think yes. the introverts need need to have a plan that's their plan, that's a healthy, proactive plan. So those time frames don't surprise them. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And for me, myself as an introvert, when I went through that, it was, I really did find that having a structure around that time was very helpful because it, in a sense, it keeps you focused on other things. That's one piece of it. Um, but then also, I mean, I think that it helps you to be a little bit more objective when you're thinking about, like we were discussing earlier, kind of this long view. It gives you a little bit of an opportunity to sort of Again, think about some of these things that are upcoming, make some plans, do some things that maybe you wouldn't do if you're busy taking care of the kids. And then it also helps, I, I found this to be true for me at least, it helps to give you a little bit of space to go, and how is this impacting my child? What am I doing to support them through this? So I want you to talk to us a little bit about that too, because I really want to help people understand no matter where you are in you know your divorce journey if you're at the very beginning this might even be more critical for you because you do have so many emotions that you're trying to deal with all at once and and that's really when you're kind of putting some things in place right for the long term so but talk to us about ways that we can support ourselves but really support our kids sure well i think a big part of how we you know, we've talked before about the handoffs and uh, my one of the most important things I try to talk to parents about is how you prep your kids to leave you and to go be with their other parent. Mm. Um, it can be a very uh, a painful thing for us inside to be prepping to say goodbye, but how we lead them emotionally and give them emotional permission to go and enjoy the time with the other family. That is a very critical thing for kids because if they sense that we're really sad and we're going to miss them so much 
they almost have this alliance that that's hard to let go and they worry about us when they're away. And one of the most you know helpful things a parent can say to their child in prepping for going, you know, whether it's a, a weekend visit or it's a week away, whichever, to be able to verbally give them permission and to even be careful about your tone of voice and to be able to say, you know, honey, I'm, I'm really great, grateful you're going to get to so go see your, in this case, your dad's side of the family or, you know, for a dad to say, I'm grateful that you get to go see your mom and, and your mom's side mm-hmm. of the family. I know you're going to have a great time. Right. Now inside we may be, we might be hurting, we might be angry, we might not even think it's the right thing for them to go and enjoy it and be there. But if we can find a way through that so that we're giving them our, our emotional support and it's okay to go, that is a great a great part of how kids don't feel caught in the middle. If mm-hmm. they feel like they can come and go and, and, and share time at both places, you know, a lot of times the young kids, they have no idea those first couple of years, you know, what this all means. They right. hear people talking about custody or sharing holidays or, um, you know, and, and so they start wondering, well, what does that all mean? And I right. think the big part is they they often feel guilty because mm-hmm. if I see my mommy sad when I'm leaving, what did I do? Did I make her sad? You know, and and, right. and so they start to internalize um, and take responsibility for problems that aren't their their problem to solve. And so I just think it's a really important thing to try to figure out how can I have a happy handoff, no matter what my other parent does or doesn't do, no matter how respectful or how rude they are, how can I come to that with the best attitude for my child and give my child a gift of having my permission to leave me and to go to the other house or the other family and to really try to champion that before the handoff, because that that no matter what the other party does or doesn't do, that's a great thing for one party to at least recognize. It's a tough thing for kids to come and go. And if I can make it easier on my child, then I'm making it easier on their entire childhood. Yeah. And I think to that point, you know, sometimes it's hard for the kids because they don't want to have to leave. They don't have to change the environment they're in. Maybe, you know, they have something at one of the houses that they want that's not at the other house, you know, or there's rules at one house that they don't have at the other and yeah. so having making the transition as easy as possible for them is big. Yeah. And it's hard. I'll, I'll say I, I tallied this up once. I was doing a conference and talking to, to parents. I said, you know, kids that mom and dad go through a divorce, maybe when they're around two or three, those kids will probably go through somewhere between 1,000 to 1,300 handoffs in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. And now every family does it different. Some people do it every other week. Sometimes they live states apart and they only do it three or four times a year. But however many times, that's an emotional experience. It's going to write a code really within a child that that either tells the story that it's okay that I have two great families or it's really not okay. And these parents are angry and it's not, you know, it's a hard situation. And and so it's it's a tough one to figure out how to do. And, and sometimes in the beginning, I say to parents, you know, if it's hard to, to do handoffs and you get triggered and you're really emotionally flooded, consider bringing, you know, bring a friend with you or mm-hmm. maybe even ask a family member to do that for you so that if it gets mm-hmm. it's too difficult, and especially around holidays, um, you're you're concerned that you might not really be able to do a good job of that or, or have a an emotional response that would be helpful, then maybe find another way to, to do that so that your mm-hmm. child doesn't have to carry that and be worried about you. So, um, and another um, 
practical thing that I like to talk about is, um, you know, sometimes, especially for young kids, having some books that help um, that you can read to your child or they can help normalize having two homes. Mm -hmm. um, I don't I'm not I don't make any money from these people. I just love these two books I'm going to recommend. Um, one is a book simply called Two Homes and it's on Amazon and it's a real simple uh, sketchbook that has a child that you know, talks about at mom's, here's where I hang my coat. At dad's, here's where I hang my coat. At mom's, here's where I brush my teeth or, you know, or here's where we eat dinner. And, and it really is just a real simple story that can help kind of normalize that process for kids. Sure. And then there's another one that came out a few years ago called The Invisible String. And it's mm -hmm. a really beautiful story. And it can be it can be applied to a lot of family circumstances, but it's about helping a child know they're loved and they, they have this invisible string that connects them to their family, even when they can't see them. And so those are some neat books to maybe, you know, read to your child, maybe even buy two and give your co-parent one for their home just uh, as a gift in a way to help um, help your children know it's OK to have two homes. And and we are on board with that and they manage it. Um, we're going to, we'll be parents and we'll help you manage it instead of you having to worry about managing Right. Well, and I love this comment from Brad. He says, that's an important point. I recall in elementary school coming out to both divorced parents awaiting to pick me up and both expecting me to choose them. An impossible position for a child to be in. Mm. Yeah, that really is. Yes. I mean, you know, to have that kind of responsibility, it's a no-win situation. And, you know, I, I don't know how many times that happens now. I mean, I think that it's probably less common maybe than it used to be where it seems like a lot of custody situations are pretty strict, but not always. And so I think I think for those parents who are in that situation where, you know, maybe there's a little bit more flexibility than, you know, just to have an understanding around that I could see would be really key. Well, and little things that um, they could do, um, let's say when you're at a soccer game, you know, or your child's um, playing a sport or they're in band or whatever activity, you know, where both parents maybe are there to support the child, to watch the child in an activity, sure. something that parents can do, um, you know, intentionally, if the child comes up to you after the event and they give you a hug, you know, for, for mom to say, Hey, go, go hug your dad and go spend some time with your dad before we leave. Or mm -hmm. in reverse, if it's dad's night, you know, you're all there and dad's going to take the kids home for a dad to say to the kids, hey, go go hug your mom, spend some time with her before we go. Little things like that can really help kids because unfortunately, a lot of parents, when they, they get really rigid about parenting time, you know, they'll scoop kids up after a ball practice and go straight to the car, even if the other parent is there at the field watching because it's- Well, and I, I think that that really speaks to, you know, at, at the heart of everything, what is it that parents want most for their kids? And how do they really stay in touch with that in the midst of everything else that's going on? Because ultimately, the kids are going to grow up. And at some point, you're really not going to have that much connection with each other. And a lot of those things are going to fall away. But what's going to be left is this relationship that you have with your child. Right. So just talk a little bit about how to keep the perspective healthy around this interaction that you're having on behalf of your child, but also with your child? Well, I think part of what makes it hard for parents to um, 
to think about the long view or to even think that the other parent is important is the personal relationship and the personal pain they have. Yeah. I try to help my clients think through um, shifting from the, there's a personal history where you were a couple, you created a child or children, and and that history has changed significantly. That relationship has transitioned. And sometimes I think parents, and it's understandable, they can get stuck in looking back on the personal relationship and and all the ways that maybe the other partner hurt them or maybe left them or abandoned the relationship. And that can really become um, a place that, that if they're stuck there thinking just about the personal brokenness, it's difficult to think about the, the gift of parenting. And so right. I try to help parents think towards, um, you know, shifting instead of looking and arguing at each other to, to more so align side by side and think ahead to what are the things you really agree on? What, where is it that you both agree on? You know, you want your child to grow up whole and healthy. You want them to have a good education. You want them to, mm-hmm. to go on and, and hopefully have a relationship and fall in love one day and and to be thinking about the parenting responsibility and the parenting relationship as opposed to the personal. And and that takes some time to get there. I mean it really does if you know there there's always when we look back on our relationship there's a a point in which it, it came to its finality. Mm-hmm. And quite often the, the person who left sees it more objective and the person right. who got left is is the one who has the potential to really get stuck in that hard place about the personal pain right and what i what i try to say there is is wherever you are in that if you're the one leaving or the one getting left to be compassionately curious about your child's other parent because anything that is hurting that parent or causing difficulty for them it, it somehow directly ripples into the the same child you both love. And, you know, especially for the person who left a relationship, um, you know, to be mindful and thoughtful of being kind and being respectful and Mm -hmm. really trying to give your partner some time to catch up with with the objective view of co-parenting, because if they didn't want this to end and they're really struggling or they they really thought you'd be together forever um, and they're, they're stuck back there, it's going to be, you won't be the one to be able to help them move forward, but they're going to need some time and some support to shift from the personal pain to the parenting relationship. Mm-hmm. And for the one that got left, that's like we were saying earlier, some important things to to find healthy support, to find friends who can walk through it with you. Because for your own enjoyment of the world and of life, um, at, at a point of getting to acceptance and even getting to a point of forgiveness of the pain of the past, you're the person who comes free and mm-hmm. if you choose, you know, it's, it's a powerful thing to realize that we can choose to forgive someone without mm-hmm. them ever apologizing to us. Right. We actually can make that choice. It's not easy and it's not a, you know, one, two, three, oh, we're there, right. mm-hmm. but we do have that power. And, and in our own lives, we, when we get stuck in a place of, of toxic pain, we ultimately mm-hmm. are the one who's the prisoner. And then, right. of course, that bleeds over to our kids. And so I um, I try to, again, just think through, even if you're the one who, in a sense, got left in, in this relationship, you never intended to be a co-parent. You never thought in a million years you'd be parenting apart. Right. You still do love the same child. And, and anything that you can do to help your child enjoy that other relationship, as long as that's a healthy, safe person, 
Um, and even if there are some challenges with that, I still believe in in kids having access to their parents. And sometimes it means you have supervised visitation or you have a third party involved if there have been right. some really severe um, sure. circumstances. And so I don't, you know, I don't want to dismiss very unhealthy patterns that get into safety issues for kids. But, um, you know, choosing to, to try to process your pain and, and, and shift forward to looking at that parental responsibility, the, the more um, aligned you can be somewhat on the same parenting team, the more, um, you know, your child's going to succeed at school. They're going to mm -hmm. succeed in other relationships. They're going to thrive when mom and dad can let, let go of that, that history and look forward to really just supporting them as, as their shared child. Because ironically, and I'm realizing this now in, in this season of my, my life, though when a child graduates, moves to college, they may move out of your home, they may live in another city or state, um, that's not the end of parenting. I mean, right. we have probably, hopefully 30 years ahead of parenting right. to enjoy our kids as young adults and to enjoy watching them grow and create their future families. And, and so the journey through I think sometimes we do get, um, we have to manage the now, we have to manage immediate, um, but sometimes we lose sight of what a joy. We get to be a parent forever. You know, they right. yeah. have a parenting plan that, that, especially for the parent who doesn't have as much parenting time as they want mm -hmm. and they're really frustrated and they feel pushed away or they feel pushed out of a child's life, I would encourage them to remember that that this, that part of the window of a child's life is so small compared to all the years ahead. And if, if the person keeps showing up and keeps being kind to the child and mm -hmm. really expresses to the child how important they are, even if they're, they're very unsatisfied with how much parenting time they have, that child can really still thrive and, and carry forward a beautiful relationship with that parent. That's and, such a good point. Yeah. I, and I want, you know, I want to, to just, I know we're, we're running out of time, but I want us to just touch to a little bit on the fact that, you know, we, we do have some control in the beginning over what kind of plan we create around our goals for our own children. Right. Sure. And so sure. if you can just talk a little bit about how we can do that. And then also, you know, alongside that finding, noticing maybe as a better word noticing little signs you know and signals that maybe our kids are putting out that are telling us they're in distress and and mm -hmm. so we can keep tabs on that and know how to support them and help them through that sure um well for the first question i um well actually let me answer your second one first because okay. i i think that's really important um i think our kids these days with with social media with the internet, with so many um, expanded influences, I think right. kids um, they do have the potential to um, to wander a bit yeah. into things and into spaces, whether it's online or it's huh? friendships at school, whatever that that all by themselves could get um, could could create a pattern that's unhealthy or unsafe for them. And so, I would say any kind of concern, whether it's you know, an extroverted child who's usually up being happy, who who now is very isolated, doesn't want to be around the family, mm. uh, just wants to be in their phone, in their room on their phone. Um, you know, some of that is teenage behavior, but I would say to be very mindful of that, that pulling away and completely unhooking because quite mm. often they're getting 
what they're what they might be doing is going into this whole you know, I'm just going to be with my phone and my laptop and, right. you know, and, and I'm just going to unhook from my family. And, and unfortunately that can lead kids to very unhealthy places. And, and, and even in their own friendships, you know, if, if you notice that your child who used to have a lot of friends, now they've, they've, they've shifted and they have either no friends or they've got these very different kinds of friends and their, mm-hmm. their, um, interests or they're even a kid who used to be creative who no longer wants to draw or wants to do music when those kinds of of things start to happen regardless of your family structure i would say it's really helpful to find an outside party hopefully a a specialist who works with kids maybe a group uh, where a lot of organizations have groups for kids that are middle school or high school where they come together and they talk about some tough stuff even some schools have those, at least pre-COVID, a lot of schools had groups where they could get together with a, a student counselor at their school. But I would definitely not ignore those those warning signs because part of it could be related to the divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be confusing things they've overheard or things they wonder about. And sure. some of it could just be peer influence and, and other uh, challenges they're having. And yeah. And I, I think sometimes when we just dismiss kids, you know, to their room and ignore their, that behavior, just, oh, they're just having a rotten day and that goes on for weeks. Then we find a kid is truly struggling and has you right. know, started to create other coping mechanisms that are not healthy. And so sure. I would definitely pull in a, a third party, a trusted adult, maybe a trusted family member first, but somebody besides mom and dad having them you know, talk to somebody outside of the family can be Mm -hmm. an important thing to do. Um, And, you know, sometimes kids are are scared to say some of the things they're upset about. Maybe they just overheard something horrible being said about one of their parents and it's created an internal emotional um, challenge for them. And, but they don't feel like they can tell anybody about it because if, Mm -hmm. If you talk about this stuff, sometimes it just makes it worse. So finding finding a safe person or a group to talk to where they don't have to, you know, live uh, walk on eggshells. They can really be honest and, and express mm-hmm. that, that either they overheard or that they're experiencing. Because a lot of parents, I mean, unfortunately, parent alienation is a real thing, and sometimes a parent is truly. Um, trying to pull a child away from a parent because they're yeah. so angry and hostile and right. they, they don't value the fact that the child has two parents. And so some of those things can really begin to cause um, emotional havoc for kids. And so yeah. sometimes we don't know where it's coming from, but I would definitely pay attention to their behaviors, to their isolation and to, um, you know, any kind of, um, I mean, definitely if you ever see that they're cutting or they're, you know, mm-hmm. these are starting to show up that are very confusing reach out and get help for your family because um, unfortunately the the internet does not help and kids usually turn to the internet um, before they'll they'll say hey i need i need help so the adults need to be the ones who really keep tabs on that and forgive me i completely lost track of points no such great points and so but but that was really important and, and i wanted people to have that information um, but I also, I, I just want to briefly touch on, so, you know, in the very beginning when you're kind of, you know, trying to navigate all the really tough stuff with each other, and then you've got the kids and you're trying to figure out how do we still do this? How, how do you create a plan that really honors your children? Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> the older I get, my memory card doesn't work like it used to. Well, I think there's there's two things. One is 
continue to ask the other parent for input. And that's a tough thing because if your personal relationship is failing, right. and pain there, a lot of times you dismiss the whole, the person's opinion about everything. Right. And I think kids, kids benefit from both parents having a say in where they go to school, what activities they're part of. Um, and, and sometimes we stop asking one question of our, of our partner when we're no longer together. And that's simply, what do you think? Mm -hmm. What do you think? And so I encourage co-parents anytime you can, even if you think you already know how you want something to play out, to slow down and try to find a time and a space to ask for the other person's input. Because part of what ends up going so poorly sometimes is that one parent goes forward, they make all the choices and decisions, they leave the other parent out, that person gets resentful, and then it's just a continual misfire the entire life of the child. Right. And at the very beginning, continuing to ask this person, um, you know, what do you, what do you think? What do you think about how dot, 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 whether it's signing them up for a sport or a music event or, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, music lessons or, you know, right. the mundane things that maybe you don't have to have a long, a long conversation, but still asking them for their input, I think will help set up, set the stage for a healthier co-parent relationship. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, most parents start in what we call the, the angry associate fiery foe category. Mm -hmm. and, and I have this little worksheet that I, I give my clients. It's, um, it's the five categories of co-parenting and trying to identify where we are, but where we can move towards that's mm -hmm. a healthier in, involvement for our child. And the two things that we look at there are how do we communicate and how do we interact? Our effective communication, or do we, you know, are we stonewalling, um, or are we argumentative all the time? What is our communication pattern? And then how do we interact with each other, whether it's at handoffs or ball games or, you know, school functions? And so trying to take a look at those two areas and, and recognize that how we communicate and how we interact is going to directly impact our child. And mm -hmm. I've never met a parent, even if they're hurting, even if they're angry, I've never met a parent that wants to hurt their child. Um, yeah. They usually want to hurt their former partner. Right. <laughs> they, they're angry yeah. and they want, you know, they want them to, to be miserable, but, but nobody wants to hurt their child. And, and figuring well, and I think that's the importance of, of, of being able to separate out that your child is not part of the marriage, right? And so right. whatever is going on over there, you can deal with that one way, not saying it's good or bad. <laughs> Sometimes if you're doing certain things, it's not going to be good, right? right. But to know that your child is an entirely separate issue. And, and at some point, you both had dreams and goals for your child to succeed and to be happy. And maybe you both wanted them to have, you know, hobbies and, and enjoy certain activities. And so to try to keep that intact, even if this over here is, is, is changing. Right. I agree a hundred percent. And, and I think where people kind of, even if they agree, sometimes they start arguing about who's going to pay for that. Oh, we want oh, to put an activity, yeah. but well, you owe me child support or you never pay for this or, mm -hmm. you know, and, and parents can honestly get, get very sidetracked in some hard conversations that are yeah. practical needs that have to be addressed. But, right. um, you know, I would say as far as parenting time, um, again, there's a lot of sticky top, sticky parts of that topic, but I would mm -hmm. say no matter how much parenting time a parent has to really 
to engage in that, to make it matter, to to spend one on one time with your child, to get outside, to get off screens, to make meaningful memories, whether you have your child two days a week or you have them 50 percent of their life. Um, because I know so many kids and I'll say even myself who grew up only seeing one of my parents a couple times a month, but they always made it matter. And mm -hmm. it, I always felt valued. I felt loved. I felt like I was, you know, an important part of that family, even though I wasn't there as often. And so, you know, I, I do know, you know, research in general will say kids will thrive when they have 50, 50, but there's some other layers that go with that too. You've got to have two people that are healthy, two people that are collaborative and able to share that and not make that stressful. So there's a lot of other factors that go into it, but I say regardless of how much parenting time a person has to really take advantage of that, not take it for granted, not, um, you know, I, when I was raising my daughter, I mean, I'm not a good cook at all. <laughs> so I would always try to make dinner meaningful. I'd light a little candle, I'd put on some music, we'd talk. And I mean, we were making, I won't even tell you, it was like turkey sandwiches and macaroni and cheese. I mean, okay. yeah. the, the food wasn't fancy, but just trying to make that dinner conversation as a single sure. mom, sitting down, talking to her eye to eye, getting, right. yeah, we watch TV and we watch movies and we had meaningful times there too. But, but that eye to eye engagement is so critical for kids yeah. of all ages to mm -hmm. know that I'm seen, I'm loved, and that I matter to my parent. And ironically, I've seen a lot of kids I work with who, who after a transition of a divorce, they actually end up having an even closer relationship with their parents because right. when they're with a parent who's the only parent, then they're they're engaging with each other even more. And right. ironically, not that I'm you know championing the idea of divorce, but when it happens, a child still can have a really great deep connection with each sure. parent. And yeah. so I think, um, you know, to not lose sight of, of, you know, riding in the car, running errands, all that right. talking time, making memories that sometimes they're big beach trips or, tr you know, fancy things, but it's the common ongoing engagement that happens when you're doing dishes or chores around the house or, or, you know, uh, bedtime routines. Those are things that really help kids know I belong here. I matter to my parent and everything's going to be okay. And I think those are the times that they go by so fast that mm -hmm. sometimes we miss it when we're in the middle of it. And yeah. so I would encourage parents to really do the very best you can, no matter how much time you have, um, because your kids can, can grow up whole and healthy, no matter how much time they're with you, they can do that if they know that you are on their um, on their side, in their corner, mm -hmm. and not at war with their other parent. Such great points. Well, I want people to have the opportunity to know how to connect with you as well. So if you don't mind sharing your website with those who are listening and not watching this evening. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's coparentinginternational.com. So that's coparentinginternational.com. And we've got videos, we've got books, we've got lots of different resources on there. So um, love to love to be in touch with anybody who'd like to connect. And um, I'm just grateful that you have such a great podcast. And hopefully we're going to be launching one of those soon ourselves. But um, yeah, Wonderful. it's out there at coparentinginternational.com. Well, thank you again so much for being with me tonight, Tammy. This was a wonderful conversation as always. And I know that this is going to be an encouragement, but also support to the listeners. So thank you again for your time. Uh, thank you. I really appreciate you.
My pleasure. And to all of you who are listening, thank you so much for being with us. You can always find me on the PA system on Facebook and also on YouTube. And please do subscribe to the channel if you visit us on YouTube. I have lots more content on there. So jump in and you'll find a lot of great information. Thanks again for being with us this evening. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thank you for listening today. I know you have many choices for content and I am grateful you chose me. You can always find more of my episodes at the Energy Healing Network on YouTube. Please do make sure to subscribe to the channel so you can easily find more episodes or watch them when I go live. Thank you again for listening and sharing these messages with others you wish to encourage and uplift.